I'm Eris Dejan, and I want to welcome you to Who and How Spotlights, a series where we shed a very special light on individuals who have used their stories and life experiences to give back to this world in some way, shape, or form. I've always believed that we all have a story, but some stories go untold. I created the Who and How Club platform to provide a safe space for those same untold stories to be shared. Another thing that I always believed in is that smart people learn from their own experiences, but wise people learn from the experiences of others. Whether these experiences are mistakes, successes, examples of growth, or even moments of redemption. Today, we share a story of redemption. Enter Marlon Morgridge, aka Sling Dads, a person who literally made the conscious decision to turn his life around. From being involved in the streets, to getting a murder charge, to becoming a father of three black boys, to now being a leader in his community and a recording artist. We learn that this is someone who listeners of the show can truly learn from. I started off with asking Marlon where he's from, what being in the streets meant to him, how he got in, and how he got out. Ironically, during these topics, we hear sirens in the background. Well, originally I was born in, well, we'll start off where I'm born. I'm born in um, Lawrence Heights, also known as the jungle to many people, um, or Jungle City. Um, when I was six years old, my mom got transferred from Toronto Housing. Back in the days, it was called MTHA, Metro Toronto Housing Authority. And she got transferred to a larger unit at the Jane and Trithui Housing Complex. To many people known as Trithui Drive or Jane and Trithui. Or Trithui. <laughs> or Trithui. Or Trithui. <laughs> yeah, or Brown Bricks. Yes, you know. yes, yes, yes. But yeah, that's that's where I was raised until I was in my um, early 20s. Mm. And that's where basically everything started in regards to the streets. Growing up in Toronto housing, you know, some Toronto housing communities are not the same. So from my experience, you know, I, I come outside my house, you know, there's crackheads right in front of your face. You know, people making money, weed smoking, you know, like people playing basketball, like people that's actually superstars coming out of these neighborhoods, you know, but <clears throat> without lack of opportunity and chances, they're just stuck in this one place, right? So yeah, these are the things that I was experiencing, like myself, I was like actually an exclusive basketball people, I mean basketball player, like yeah. anybody who actually came from that area in the 90s, they'll, they'll let you know, like, you know, Marlin, or Slings, yeah, he's that guy, you know, but yeah. You know, like I said, at one point, the streets got a hold of me and, you know. Was seeing those, you know, you, you said you went outside and saw the superstars on the block and the people who had the money and stuff like that. Is that what kind of inspired you and motivated you to get involved? Or yeah, what, what kind of what kind of? Yeah, person? definitely. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree. Because <clears throat> to be honest, I didn't have a you know, father mm-hmm. in the household, like maybe 85 percent of us that grew up there and um. Those guys were the male figures out there, you know what I mean? Like yeah. those were the those were the guys to look up to because at the time, you know, they we all want clothes and nice things, and this is the way to get it in the eyes that we saw, you know. Yes. And besides that, like you know, don't get it wrong. They some of us, some of them did tell us not to be out in the streets. We should go to school and stuff like that, and you know. Yes. But when you know your mom's, you know not having a job or trying to get a job or can't give you the money that you want to get at that time in life. 
and you know if you just go outside and it's right there in front of you like there's not really much of a choice you're gonna make right you're just gonna go to the obvious what you think is the correct thing was there was there ever a time during those times where you felt like okay this is like i shouldn't be involved in this way but i can't stop or i can't get out like what what kept you in to be honest at one point i think we all when we first originally get involved in stuff like that it's a way to get in and get out but then it's like anything it's an addiction you know like the fast money keeps coming in you know and you just continue until you know you get something happens you know what i mean but to be honest, I, I'm pretty sure everybody gets an inner vibe that they know that this is wrong or they should actually know when to stop. But, you know, like I said, it's an addiction to a point. So it's like, okay, I'm going to stop next week. And then next week comes, then you probably make more money or something else, another opportunity comes or whatever the case may be that keeps you glued in, right? But hmm. So how did you get out? At what point were you like, okay, I'm done with this life. I'm going to pursue other things in my life, whether it was the arts or getting involved with their community. What was that like breaking point? Honestly, Iris, I'll be honest with you. It took a while, bro. Mm. It took a while, bro. Um, really and truly, like when it came to the gang life, I, one point in my life, I was charged with attempt murder. Mm. And, um, you know, I had a situation that I had to defend, you know, a friend. Yeah. And yeah. at that time in my life, um, when the case was over, you know, the friendship kind of tarnished as well, right? Mm. So at that time, you know, my neighborhood kind of turned on me. And this is something that I was actually willing to die for at one point. Right? Mm. So when that experience kind of hit me, you know, I... I think that was kind of the breaking point yes. for me in regards to not being involved with the gang no more. Yes. But at that time, I was still involved in the streets for many years. Otherwise, like I was still like selling drugs and stuff like that just to get by. Because at them times, I became a father, right? Right. So I'm not getting jobs that I actually needed to get in order to survive and support my family and pay bills and et cetera, et cetera, right? So, so that was my way of trying to survive, you know, for many years. So it was like one foot in, one foot out. Like you knew that you had to be done with this life, but in a, in a sense you felt like you had no choice but to be involved because you have to provide. You're a father now. You know, you got to pay the bills. You got it's, it's one of the things that you're familiar with, so you stay involved. Do I got that yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would I would say so. It's actually one foot in, one foot out, you know, because like I said, I want to do better, but it's like, can I do better? Can I, do better? I asked Marlon how he realized that he could do better. Sometimes we don't know that about ourselves, that we could actually do better than what we're doing. Our situations that we're in, we could actually overcome it. This is what he said. Uh, just because of knowing that everything comes to an end one day. <laughs> You know what I mean? Mm. Like, you'll see, like, people that, you know, obviously that I grew up around, you know, either died, went to prison, and everybody knows there's only two-way streaks in this world, you know? Mm. 
and I don't want to be either on either end of the stick. Mm. So, plus I'm a person that's like, um, my health is not the best, you know? Mm. We'll get a little bit more into that. But like I said, I have a lot of situations in my life that just made me just have to say, you know what? I'm a father of three. I want to be here for my three sons and I want better for them. I leave them a foundation. So I just said to myself, you know, one day that, you know, what what am I going to do? Am I going to continue trying to get factory jobs or customer service jobs or what's my passion? What do I want to do? And everybody knows at that time I, I was doing music. I love doing music. So I found a program in music in Seneca College yeah. at a York University campus. And I enrolled myself in school. And that's where I started in regards to the big change. Jeez, man. That's that's amazing. That's like a, an amazing turnaround. I feel, and especially with being a father. You said a father of three sons, right? Yeah, three sons, two of them fully autistic. Mm. So what's that yeah. What's that experience like being a father for you? What, is, what does being a father mean to you? Amazing, but to be honest with you, it's just for the fact that, you know, just like a lot of families, a lot of families don't stay together, so... That's my only disappointment and downfall in life that I wish that I could have, you know, figured out a way to keep my family together in life, you know, from early stages. But yeah, being a father is, I'm just happy to be a father, just to know that I can produce and look at my children and see them grow and, you know, develop in life, even though they have their issues, you know, but. Mm. Do you feel like the universe or God like blessed you with three sons for a reason? Like when you look at your father, like you being a father and looking at the, the children that you have, they're all boys, three boys, three black boys. What, yeah. what, what does that mean to you? Like, do you feel like that was done on purpose in a way? Oh, definitely. Nothing is a coincidence. You know? I mean, even though a lot of us wish certain things don't happen in life. Right. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I definitely think it was a blessing because at one point I was saying to myself, I may not even be here in these alive in these streets because like I said, at one point, I was very heavily active. And, you know, my mother's only child. Mm. So, you know, just before I had my own child, you know, my mom actually, you know, lost a child. And and I was, you know, I'm her only child. So I was just saying to myself, you know, I can't get killed in these streets and will continue my, my, genera my generation, right? Yeah. So when I had my first son, I was very, very proud just to know that, you know, he was a boy. You know what I mean? Like, hmm. everybody, you know, have decisions in life in regards to how they grow their kids. But I'm glad that my kids, you know, are focused in regards to trying to do the best that they can. Like I say, two of them are fully autistic, but hmm. it doesn't stop them in regards to, you know, trying to move forward in life, you know? Hmm. I asked Marlon if he ever fears for his three boys. And how a father of three boys protects his children in this current climate that we're in of street violence, police brutality, and viciousness that we see every day, not only in real life, but on our portable screens as well. A hundred percent, yours. And I'll tell you the number of reasons, the hundred percent reason why. I ain't going to say exactly where they live, but yeah. let's put it this way. They live in one of the housing projects in Toronto right now that's very active with gun violence. Yeah. on a regular basis yeah right so there's only you know a handful of those in the city that everybody knows about yeah so, yeah, yeah of course 
So my son, my, my kids, them actually live in one of those housing complex and my, their mother doesn't even let them outside to throw out the garbage. That's how bad it is, right? So mm. just by guidance, brother, mm. you know what I mean? And just given the teachings that what we were taught with, you know what I mean? Mm. That most of us were taught with, like, you know, I can't really say everybody's taught with the same thing, but, you know, in my household, I, I'm, I'm raised with just a single mother and mm. I was raised with strong values in the home, you know? I think it goes a long way in regards to passing that along. I know a lot of, yeah, yeah, I I know there's a lot of the youth, them are, um, they're missing the guidance. Like, Mm. I'm not saying a lot of parents ain't trying to provide it, but it's not being installed for some reason, and I don't understand why. Mm. You know, I've noticed that in a lot of youths, like, the respect is not the same from generation to generation to elders. Those foundational things, like the manners, the respect, the self-respect, yes. the yes, yeah, there's just, some... just saying, you know, respect, big man, or hello, good afternoon, <laughs> or holding the door for somebody, like yes. either, either, like, like, if I'm in my forties, I'm in my early forties, and I'll see, like I said, big old school generals still out here in these on the on the south side of Jane or the south side, and. They're still out here doing what they do on the low low. But when I see them, it's like no different than 20 years ago. You know what I mean? Like I'll see them and show them the same manners and respect. Like when I was that young teenage, young adult man coming up. Yes. And, you know, they respect that. But these youths now in reverse situations, there's some that, you know, they'll show that respect because they're raised with that value as well. But like I said, there's a majority of them out there right now that's not really caring about the older heads them that paved the way. You know what I mean? Yes. Let's talk about you for a second, and we're going to get to, you know, you enrolling in the college and all that jazz and getting into music. If I was a stranger, you know, I asked I asked our last guest this, but like you and I have some sort of connection and we've in- encountered each other uh, numerous times. But let's say I was a stranger. How would Marlon define himself to that stranger? Like, what? who are you? Overall, I'm a community leader, recording artist, actor, slash upcoming author, father of three boys, an advocate for autism and a person living with diabetes. I asked Marlon what Black History Month meant to him. He gave a pretty unique answer that is pretty in line with the Who and How brand. Well, first of all, black history in general means to me just knowing your history as a black person, Mm. you know, like it's deeper than just a month, you know, like you got to actually know who you are in regards to actually telling people who you are. Mm. Right. So like myself, my roots from what I know, you know, I'm Jamaican background. I'm born Canadian, but, you know, I'm Jamaican background. My prince is Jamaican, but we all come from Africa. doesn't matter what color you are, right? Mm. When it comes to the the beginning of civilization, right? But just knowing who you are and knowing things about yourself and about, you know, about your people in general is very important to know because as a black person now, it's sad to know that, you know, we all know other people's histories and then can't identify who you are as mm. a person. Mm. 
like going to is going to school in the you know North American system. They didn't really teach you about things that we're supposed to know in regards to foundation and stuff like that, right? They just gave you this the outskirts of stuff mm. and kind of implemented other things to make you believe that these are the things that you should more know mm. as a person, which everybody should actually know about everybody's history. But when it comes to black history, I think it's important that, you know, black people should just, you know, know who they are, where they come from, read a lot of books, don't listen to media in regards to the hype and stuff like that, and just actually get to identify who they are in mm. regards to knowing who they are as, in regards, as, a, as, a, as a black person. Marlon, share with us uh, an accomplishment of yours. What's something that you feel like you've accomplished? That the one, the first thing that came to your mind when I when I asked you that. Um, surviving these streets and living to be the age of forty-two, from the lifestyle that I know I came from. Hmm. What's a challenge that you overcame? It's kind of synonymous with what we just said, but like, what's a what's a specific challenge that you feel like you really overcame? In your life, the fast life. Mm. What does your community mean to you? Everything. And these are just all one-word answers that straight off the top of my head. Listen to Marlon explain what his experience in school was like, and he'll also share a little bit about his not-for-profit organization. For me to go to school, first of all, I was already in the music. Canadian, you know, I don't want to say industry because we're still trying to say if we have an industry, right? But like, you know, the Canadian scene, I was already known, mm-hmm. you know, I was already on much music, much vibe and, you know, DVDs and stuff like that throughout the city. And, you know, I was already popular. But at that time, I still didn't know, like, the business, mm. right? Like, I only knew, like, what people were showing me and I... Within myself, I want to know more without other people just telling me. So, yeah, I think it was very important for me to go to school and, you know, get the proper knowledge in regards to professionals that's been in the industry for over 20 years. Yes. Yeah, I thought that was very blessed. And I was happy that they had an opportunity for somebody like myself to be enrolled in such a great program. Yeah. Well, to be honest with you, I'm actually a two-time college graduate, right? So I actually went to George Brown. Talk and, that talk. <laughs> yeah, brother. I went to George Brown and um, took community worker, took a two-year course. Yes. Got my diploma in regards to that. So, you know, I'm under the social and community service title. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. And also, I just enrolled in um, university for September. Jeez. It's coming September to get my bachelor's for social work. Yeah. Because I do have a nonprofit as well, right? So. Yes. I commend you, brother. You're inspiring me literally through this conversation right now. So I appreciate that. Um, and I appreciate you sharing that. Talk more about your not for profit and what that represents. Yeah, sure. I appreciate you, brother. Well, first off, it's called the Mortgage Foundation. There's another foundation similar, if you Google it, known as the Mortgage Family Foundation. That's not me, right? Mine is the Mortgage Foundation. My last name is Mortgage, and 
that that's why you know named it after myself and i'm selling you know like i said i have three sons right so i'm trying to leave a foundation for them to even uphold you know what I mean? if i do you know pass away or whatever whatever the case may be right just leaving a legacy for them you know what i mean but yes the more, but the mortgage foundation basically i provide several services so from the beginning, I would say we do early intervention gang programs, on-site programming, beat the street program, counseling, crisis intervention and support, um, positive parenting programs, food and clothing bank services, housing support, legal support advice, community connections, health management, ID clinics, college, university, preparation services. The list goes on, brother. Mm. You know, like, this is what we do for the community. And at this point, like, it's time, you know what I mean? Like, to partner up with other organizations. And we've got to solve these problems in these communities, man, that need the assistance, you know? Yes. D- do you believe that, like, only people from the community can really solve the issues from the community? Or is it okay to, I know you mentioned partnering with these organizations, but what about pe- people from the outside? you think that they could provide some answers and help too, or do you feel like it all has to happen from within? I think it's a mixture of both, you know? Like, you have to have people from the community in, involved, number one. But I think this is part of the problem. A lot of the people that's already involved are not people from the community. Mm. And, you know, this is a question that was brought to me in another meeting that I had recently in regards to the Department of Justice, um, the Department of Justice wanting to know answers in regards to why the youth, I mean, the criminal youth justice system, why youths are being, you know, charged heavily in a high rate. Yeah. And, this is part of the problem, right? Like, you have to have people that in the community that people can look at and trust, right? And know that they actually probably went through what they're going through and it's part of the solution at this moment. Like myself, at one point I was actually a problem in in the community. But now I'm the person that's actually bridging the gap. In this clip... Marlon and I find out that outside of being in the social services field and having the same barber, there's something else that kind of connects us. I've looked on your page and <laughs> front lines. So another another sort of like indirect connection. When I was a kid, when I first, like my mom uh, raised us in Niagara for a bit. And then when we moved back to Toronto, I was I was born here, raised in Jane and Shepherd in the maze. And then... Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. we, my mom didn't want us being raised here at that like early, early stages of our lives. So she moved us to Niagara and then we came back. Uh, around the time that we came back, I was uh, living in the Western Road area in Lawrence. And I was just a kid roaming the streets looking for something to do. And I came across Frontlines. And yep. Frontlines plays such a big part in my life because I just re- there are these these moments that occurred at Frontlines for me and in that area that I could remember just like it was yesterday. You know what I'm saying? But I was just a young yes, and yes, then sir. many, many years passed or whatever. You know, I haven't been involved or anything since. But Frontlines is still there. Can you tell me what your involvement with is with with Frontlines or what it has been it's and what Frontlines that- is? Sorry. It's funny that you mentioned that because as I'm talking to you, I'm at Frontlines right now. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. 
yeah. Tell so, the people yeah. what Frontlines, what I'm talking about, and then yeah, yeah. definitely, yeah. definitely. Well, I'm very you know proud and happy to let people know about Frontlines. I'm actually the youth engagement worker here at Frontlines. Western Front Center, yeah. local at you know Western Road and Lawrence um, intersection. We're at eighteen hundred, actually eighteen hundred Western Road. Yes. We have three units here. We have a culinary section, a team zone section, and the child section. Mm. So basically, as me as the youth engagement worker, I engage with the community in Weston in regards to providing services and resources. But I'm actually stationed in Falstaff. So mm. if for those who know, Falstaff is um maybe a five to seven minute drive from Western Road and Lawrence, Jane yes. Falstaff. Yes. But it's not in the Western area. It's actually divided from Western to North York. Mm-hmm. So so I'm in the North York section a lot as well at Jane and Falstaff, providing service at Jane and Falstaff. And the program is called Future Inspired Teams. And the acronym FIT. So we run resources and services that provide meals, weekly hygiene kits. In the summertime, we provide back to school supplies and, you know, all kinds of services, gift cards for incentives. I partner up with other organizations in fall staff to provide the youth STEM services as well. So for Black History Month so far, we've had like movie nights. Every Friday, I have a thing called Film Night Fridays that mm-hmm. We provide the youth them two movies mm. in regards to Black history. One may be a documentary, and just one as a film, just mm. to teach the education. Yes. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we got one more Valentine's Day promotion from Manscaped. Uh, this show is brought to you by Manscaped and is in support of Manscaped. So Valentine's Day is upon us, fellas. Once again, make sure you're ready for whatever the night may take you. Our friends at Manscaped, the global leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming, are here to tell you that you need to use the best tools for the job so that you could be ready for anything on that special day. It is February 11th today, guys. So we got Valentine's Day in a couple days. Make sure you spread this message to your ladies, all right, and let them know what you want. Two million men have already been trusting Manscaped products uh, to groom and make sure that you're one of them because I'm one of them, so you need to be one of them as well. Uh, your girl can't think of what to get you this year? Hmm. Tell her to get the gift that's for you and for her. The best way to get started is with Manscaped, Perfect Package 3.0. Full of the best products to keep you looking, smelling, and feeling nice. Now, I got the complete package. It comes with the groomer. Uh, it comes with some special ointments. It comes with the boxers as well, which I adore. I've expressed that on the show before. Uh, I, I'm actually wearing them right now. So, yeah, you should get the Perfect Package 3.0, which is led by their revolutionary third-generation Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, which has advanced skin-safe technology and features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. Uh, It's also waterproof, which prevents a mess on the bathroom floor and in the sink, especially when it's time for Cupid to shoot his arrow. Yay! And let's be real, we've smelled the worst down there before. That's why I'm thinking, well thankful for their crop preserver and crop uh, reviver i really hate reading that part because i've never had that issue and i thank the gods the lawnmower the 3.0 manscaped gods that i've never had to um i've never had any smelly issues down there uh it's kind of weird talking about this stuff uh 
I'm the only one talking in this room right now, but I know people are going to listen to this and they're going to be like, Eris, you're wild. Uh, but I pray that my brothers out there have not had the, these smelling issues either. Either way, if you do, these products keep our boys from sweating, smelling, and sticking. So still use them uh, if you need. Uh, I'm not trying to uh, ball shame any of my fellas out there. If you have these issues, the Manscaped has the solutions. These products smell good. They're mainly secret. Oh, my God. Their mainly scent is attractive uh, and will help set the mood if you know what I mean. I can't read today, guys. The Perfect Package 3.0 will also come with a pair of Manscaped boxers that will keep your junk feeling fresh all day. It's time to upgrade those overused pair of boxers to Manscaped's high-performance anti-chafing boxers. Uh, easily the comfiest boxers I've ever had. Um, and I'm living proof of that, guys. So you could trust me on that. You trust your host, right? Hello? Anyone? Anyway, complete your grooming game with the new refined cologne signature scent by Manscaped. With the same signature scent that's in all Manscaped formula, the, this cologne is a perfect complement to the collection. Uh, this is the perfect pack package for your perfect package. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code WHOHOW20, as in the Who and How Club, of course. Uh, so that's W-H-O-H-O-W, the number 20, at manscaped.com. And you'll get 20% off plus free shipping uh, with that code. And that's our special offer code. Your balls will thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I'm saying ladies, not because you have balls, but because your man's balls belong to you anyway. So they're your balls pretty much, right? Uh, gentlemen, use the code WHOHOW20, go online, and, uh, you know, get a discount. You got to take care of yourself. Women like uh, properly groomed men and freshly scented, you know what? Get 20% off and free shipping with the code WHOHOW20 at manscaped.com. Once again, that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code WHOHOW20 and happy Valentine's Day from Manscaped and the Who and How Club. Uh, Valentine's Day 2021. Let's kill it this year, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get back to the show. So I want to ask, like, what's next for Marlon? Uh, just building the foundation for the mortgage foundation, you know, trying to just, you know, provide the services that the people that need out there in these priority communities. And even if they're not in priority communities, anybody that actually needs the help and the resources, just contact us, you know. Like, at the moment, my website is not up, but you can contact me by Googling the mortgage foundation. You Google it, you'll actually see all the information provided to you and how to get a hold of me. If you have an Instagram, I can be followed at, at Slingdads, S L I N G underscore D A D Z. And yeah, that's how people can get a hold of me in regards to knowing what's up with the Mortgage Foundation and what we can do for you. Shout out to Marlon. Shout out to you for just being on the show. We really do appreciate you. Um, you have a huge, you have a story to tell, and we're gonna invite you back onto the show to get more in depth. And I told you we're gonna do this in person. Like this is just a little mini introduction to who you are, but we're gonna follow up within the months to come, uh, weeks and months to come, and hopefully, you know, we'll sit, we'll be able to sit down across the table and talk more in depth and shoot some footage and just give the people more knowledge you know what i'm saying no definitely and Eris, i appreciate you just for even having me speak my mind and letting the people them know what's 
about me and you know what's next to come you know and just putting this platform out for people to give their voice and you know really respect it and appreciate it before we end this episode marlon shares a special message to his people yeah just you know people out there that's you know doing the crimes out there in regards to gun violence put that shit down man because really and truly it's not going to be a thing that's going to last forever, man. You got to think about what's going on, man, because really and truly, if you continue doing this, what do you think is going to happen to your people? What, you think this is not going to end? Come on, man. People got to wake up, man, and just go read a book and, you know, take in a program. And one thing I want to say about programs, honestly, is very important for people to continue, the government to continue supporting programs because... My actual first job that I had was in um, my area, Trithui, where I was working with Toronto Community Housing. And when you work with Toronto Housing, you're not really supposed to be working in your own community, but it was a partnership with Griffin Center that provided youth employment in regards to, you know, work. And without that program, I wouldn't probably be where I am today because it gave me a sense of direction and made me fall in love with just community work. And now this is what I actually do for a living. So, you know, it's never too late and programs are important. So government, please continue to support these programs that we ask and request to continue running for these youths. I couldn't agree with you more, Marlon. Thank you so much for being on the show today. And uh, I'm gonna touch base with you offline, all right? All right. Thank you again, brother, and everybody. Enough love and happy Black History Month. Peace. 100%. Thanks, Ken. Thanks, 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 thanks.